Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Hats. Rendo, was that your hat that you just knocked or was it a crack of a back? It was elbows. Actually, yeah, elbows. Crack. I, yeah, my mate used to do this. And my mate was like, was like sixteen years older than me. One of my, you know, one my my one mate. Um, <laughs> and he used to when I was young, he used to stretch, and his elbows would crack on his butt. And I was like, "What are you doing? Like, how does that even happen?" And I've got to the age now where I stretch, and my elbows crack. I've never ever cracked my elbows. You're younger than me. Oh, by hell, dogs. <laughs> Every six months or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what's going on, man? Um, what is going on? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. You're on. You're just about to be on holiday, so you're finally going to get some work out of you. Six weeks. I'm off. Yeah. So that's a pro- proper so, public sector holiday, man. Yeah. So my, well, come on. I've been there eighteen years. Yeah. You probably deserve it. You probably. You probably I deserve know, it. Six it. years off. Um, we have a guest here. We got man. Oh, we have Jeremy from. Well, actually, Jeremy from where? Yeah. Abib. Formerly Hard Block. From Adelaide. From, from Ad- Jeremy from Adelaide. Adelaide. How you going, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah, good, mate. Um, yeah. This has been a while coming. This one, actually, I'm glad you glad to got you on. Um, yeah. The um, yeah, I don't know where to start. To be honest, I think we just had a bit of a chat before we came on, and I just, but just, I think chronologically is the best, most obvious way to do. It. If you want to do it any any other way, that's mm-hmm. fine. But mate, can you just give folks, you know, we don't need to do the full Bitcoin story if you don't want to. You can do that. More than welcome. But um, I am actually interested, to be honest, Jeremy, because I've yep, heard you okay. a few times and I haven't heard, I don't think I've heard your backstory. Oh, yeah. Like that. how you got into go it. Go to that. And, yeah. and then go to the work and then into what you're doing now and then we'll get into the ABIB stuff near the end, if that's okay. Sounds good. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I feel like I, I know you guys because I've, I've been listening and I like, to, you know, when I walk, I can remember like where I was listening to certain things. So it's ah, sort of a weird so thing to, you. to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one listening, won't I? Yeah, so it's yeah. sort of weird to like, you know, you feel like you know each other, but we actually have never um, seen each other and what we even look like. So, yeah, yeah I guess for me, um, I think, you know, like I was doing some interviews with the Australian Bitcoin podcast and I really resonated with almost every single guest, which was that I was, I had like a normal career, like I worked a job in an office and for a while it was good. Um, but then as I got more senior, I sort of started to realize how things actually worked. I was like, this is like, it's just is all bullshit like this is all just mm. you know you got to um it's all politics basically and i got really angry and i ended up quitting jobs like a couple of times just like on the day just i quit my job because i couldn't deal with it anymore um <clears throat> and i tried to find ways to earn income without being stuck in a nine-to-five job one of the things i tried was doing forex trading which was sort of trendier before crypto was invented um and because I was reading books about Forex in my Amazon algorithm, I kept getting these books about currencies and like currency reset. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I started reading. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, I didn't know anything about fiat currencies, even though I had a commerce degree. So I actually got quite heavily into gold and silver, um, you know, once I started to learn about the history of money. Um, and I did that for a while. And then we moved to Adelaide for, for my wife's job and we had two kids and didn't get a lot of time to, you know, be researching things. Then... Um, after COVID happened, I started to worry about my super and like what was happening to my investments, um, you know, seeing this, the stock market plummeting. And so I started to put more time into to researching again. Um, again, got back into trying to, you know, gold and gold mining. 
And I was watching at the time Real Vision, which at, before they got into crypto, I had some pretty good content. Um, and there was a couple of really influential uh, interviews. The main one was with um, Michael Saylor, uh, the first, pretty much the first interview he did publicly about Bitcoin. It's two hours. It was just like mind-blowing interview. That and reading the Bitcoin standard around the same time. Up until those moments, I kind of thought we would be going back to a gold standard. And interestingly, some of the BRICS countries probably are going back to a gold standard pretty soon. But when I read the Bitcoin standard, I'm like, no, we're not going back to this technology that's been around since like, you know, 5,000 years. We're going to a technology that works on the internet. And it just, it became so clear. And I can actually re remember the moment when I was reading an early chapter in the Bitcoin standard. I can remember where I were when I just got it. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the thing. And I had to like get up and just, you know, I had so much energy. Um, and so basically since then, since then I've been consuming Bitcoin content and I did get sidetracked on the, on the shitcoin uh, path for about six months. Um, but then once I started running my own node and then I sort of got into looking into, okay, how do you run an Ethereum node? I'm like, oh, you actually can't run an Ethereum node at home. Like it's, it's almost impossible to, to do it with that professional equipment. That's when it clicked. It's like, okay, it's only Bitcoin that is going to do this. And around the same time, so I had a one-year-old, I was working in Adelaide. Um, this is post COVID remotely for a company in Sydney. And I kind of realized I just didn't really have any friends in real life. Like all of my interactions were on a screen. I'm like, I've got to get out and just meet some people. So I thought I'll go to the Bitcoin meetup in Adelaide. So I went to that one. <clears throat> First thing I do is I sit down with Rusty, who's the, you know, the original lightning developer yep. and Daniel. And they're like, they say hello. And they're like, oh, we're talking about shit coins. And they start with Ethereum. I'm like, whoa, this is like pretty full on. Um, but then I, you know, I, I totally started to get it. Initially I was like, who are these guys? Like they don't seem to understand anything. Then I realized, oh, these guys understand everything. Like these guys have been around a long time. I don't understand. Um, what well, great from... first two, but kind of just say what great first two you got. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, because Rusty doesn't go that often. I didn't realize. Okay. Um, and then it, it just so happened that Daniel was looking for a product manager two days a week. Um, I wanted a job part-time. I had been doing IT work. I had sort of taught myself um, design because in that period, we actually published my wife and I some uh, books. So we published some children's books and a, another uh, different, a couple of novel or not or like nonfiction books. Mm. And so through that process, I taught myself graphic design, typesetting, um, all those sorts of skills. And, you know, the combination of the IT project management I was previously doing, and then the design skills kind of worked quite well with um, product management. So that's how I ended up working at Daniel. So just because I turned up at the meetup after a couple of meetings, we, you know, he and I had a chat and mm. um, ended up working at Hardblock uh, as a product manager. So that was quite a bit. So maybe I'll, I'll give you another chance to have another question. No, no, yeah, that's good. It's all good. I, I want to just, I just want to quickly say, like, going back to, I guess, you know, your first meetup and probably quite luckily sitting down with Daniel and Rusty. When we first, I don't know if you remember this, Hats, when we first went to um, the first Bush Bash in Murrah, yeah, and there was quite a heated debate with, I think, it, you were there, me. Um, JP and a couple of girls, and there were a couple of girls there. Oh yeah, yeah, that were the blockchain Australia were people. Well, well, they were talking about how Ethereum um, had value, <laughs> and I still remember J the the veins on JP's <laughs> neck arguing passionately about it. And I'm thinking this I guy's going to about to have a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know he's a, he's a passionate, passionate oh, man. man. But, but he's just but, over the bullshit. Yeah, it just comes back to like not I don't want to say luck, but just getting in with the right people at the right time. Yeah, if you yeah. can, if you can find, and there's plenty of them now. There's plenty yeah. of good, good people you can find and just hang on to for a while. But you do probably start, um, given your time period, you sort of do have to. Back back then, certainly, you probably had to start online and 
find people through Twitter lurking or YouTube channels or whatever it was. And then it probably started more overseas, like you watching like, you know, Real Vision or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden there's a couple of pockets of things coming out that would work in Australia. And you start to see, and then if you've got, and then if all of a sudden you're, well, you're in a city, we're not in a city. So, you know, you've got, you've got a local meetup you can go to. That's great. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's mess. And I, like for me, I remember like trying to find a good podcast. So I typed Bitcoin into the podcast app and, you know, you can't find Stefan Levera or, you know, Rabbit Hole Recap. Like you can't find Citadel Dispatch. You can't find those by typing Bitcoin in because Bitcoin is not in the title of their podcast. Uh. So, you know, if you don't get a good recommendation of where to start on a podcast, you can easily go down the wrong path. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I kind of did, um, but I figured it out in the end. But yeah, just it, you're right. Like who you meet first and what resources you start with. I actually didn't buy the Bitcoin standard straight away. And the reason is because it was $31 on my Kindle. And I thought that's a lot for a book mm. or an ebook. Oh, but I'll try something else. And it actually cost me a lot of money because in that time, the Bitcoin <laughs> price went from like 14000 to 20000 yeah. So I should have spent the 30 bucks and bought the book earlier. But, you know, like, so the, the resources you start with obviously make a huge difference. They really do. Oh, can I just ask you, you said about uh, reading Safedine's book and you had that sort of um, mm. light bulb, light bulb yep. moment. What was your feeling? Was your feeling, um, holy shit, this is going to be everything? Or was it, was oh, holy shit, the world everything is else is screwed? Like, wh- yeah, yeah, back so. then I I was thinking about it more from a and as an investment, and so okay. like you know if I get if I buy this I'm going to be you know my family's wealth is going to be preserved. That was that was kind of my focus. Yeah, it took me a lot longer to realize the implications of the government spending and you know the infiltration of everything in society. So that probably took maybe I don't know almost like a year after that. But you know at that moment it was purely like this is an investment, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just that's that's kind of it's for me. And it's taken me a long time to realize, oh, this is for everyone. And the, the more we can contribute to it, the better everyone's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And in terms of volatility in the early days, how did you stomach that? Like in terms of, was, was it just a case of not over committing yourself or was it like you sort of got the problem so you, and you knew that it was going to be volatile? So you just sort of went with it or does it was it, did it, was it a painful experience to go through? So when I started... Um, before I had that moment reading the Bitcoin standard, I kind of saw it like an option. Like this could be worth a lot or it could be worth zero. So I put in a small amount knowing that if it went to zero, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I think once I got an understanding of it, it, I was putting in money that I knew I wasn't going to access for 20 years or something. So I kind of didn't, I don't know, like I didn't really, it didn't bother me so much, but I had done like a fair bit of trading and stuff prior to that. So maybe I had a bit of experience dealing with those sorts of things, but yeah, I think, and this is sort of what you see when um, you tell someone else to buy it at a good time. You have to have the fundamental conviction. And when you do, the price doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But if you're just buying it so the price will go up and then the price goes down, you're like, that's not why I bought it. I better sell it. Um, I think having had that fundamental conviction, yeah, the price swings didn't really bother me. It's more like other people be like, oh, is Bitcoin crashing? Like, is it going to die? I'm like, oh, no. Like, but like, it was just, <laughs> that was more the implication that other people would say stuff rather than it really bothering me too much. Sometimes you're annoyed. It's like, oh, why did I buy it? You know, I bought some at like 80,000 Australian dollars. I'm like, why did I do that? But in hindsight, at the time, you thought it's going to go up even more. So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I bought that. I was probably the very, the very top. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> That's fine. Well, I was DCA by then. So, yeah. Yeah. You'd have been, yeah. We'd have bought the top as well. Yeah. Excellent. Big time. Yeah. Um, so, just thinking about anybody who's listening right now. So let's say they're uh, and they're quite new to it, and mm-hmm. um, they're thinking, "Oh, maybe I should, or maybe have a little bit, or maybe they're thinking, oh, I should have some." Would your advice still be to have a little bit, a very, it's very much a long term consideration, 
um, have a little bit, get a bit of skin in the game and learn? Or do you think that where we are currently sitting and the way things are in the world, people should, um, I wouldn't say ape in, but like go a bit stronger than just that little bit? I mean, what what do you think there? I don't think there's a right answer. I just, just, say yeah. So I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize, I, I even think a lot of Bitcoiners miss this, you really don't need a lot of Bitcoin. Um, you know, if you can have point one, you're probably your family's um, set up for life, not just you, your family and, their, and your grandkids. And then point one, like, you know, if you think about it in the context of your super, it's not actually that hard to get. Um, and if you were to put away at, you know, 20 bucks a week or something and just not really think about it, you'd probably build up to something pretty decent. So you, you don't need that much, but what you do need is the conviction. So you don't want to just go in and buy some without any understanding of Bitcoin at all. Um, because then you can make mistakes, for example, like leaving it on an exchange or trying to get interest or something and getting distracted. So I think you got to, it's not just about committing the money. You got to commit the time, do the research. I mean, read the Bitcoin standard. There's so much content now. Um, and then I think it's really important to actually use the software. It's like, it, it was not easy for me to get started with, um, running Bitcoin core. So I was using a windows computer. It wouldn't let me do it in the main. I had to get administrator privileges for some reason. I'm sure Microsoft did that on purpose. Um, I'm now using Linux and I've sort of, I know what I'm doing, but like as a very kind of not that computer savvy person, it's not that easy to get started, but I think you just got to do something and find someone who can show like at a meetup, do some lightning transactions, do some Bitcoin transactions. Get You know, a lot of people don't realize there's a test Bitcoin network. Mm. You can get test Bitcoins for free and you can do transactions that cost you nothing and you can just play around with it and see what it does. Um, so I think it's really important to use it because once you start using it, you realize, oh, okay, so this is how it works. This is why this one is going to work, not like Ethereum. Um, and, and that really importance of, and I think it's, it's sort of taken me a while to realize that Bitcoin is only Bitcoin if you've custodied it. If you have Bitcoin on an exchange, it's not Bitcoin, it's something else. I consider it like a Bitcoin deposit, kind of mm. like how cash in your hand is not the same as cash in your bank account. They're quite different things and they have different names. Like cash in your hand is currency, cash in your bank account is um is a deposit so yeah i'd say yeah come back back to it you don't you don't need that much um so start with a little bit um and then once you once you sort of learn and you realize you're like you're going to want more because you look at all the other things where you could have your wealth and you think why do i have it there like it's just unless i need it for the short term there's just no purpose for it being in those vehicles especially you know we'll talk about it later but the banking sector doesn't look you know super stable right now so why would you trust them to look after your wealth when there's other ways to do it Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's a hard one. I think if you can, it's just daunting where you come in for a for a new person. Like, I I fully agree with you. That, like the Bitcoin standard is a wonderful book. Even that, I don't know whether that's a normie can just pick that up and go. Like, and I think in some ways, <clears throat> it's just like find a lightning wallet, give somebody a dollar worth of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. let them send it back to you, um, see what happens. Let them like do, like give them a dollar, then delete the wallet from their phone with no with no way of pulling it back. Okay, that's it, gone forever. You know that kind of like really practical things gone, but with with a, with an amount that you just you can live with. You're just burning it for the community type thing. Yeah, if it's if it's genuinely something you care about, I mean, you obviously can't do that a million times over. But if somebody it's a friend or something, you can do these kind of things. Hmm. Um, but it's just knowing where to start with people is so difficult. And with this pod, we struggle with um. Obviously, we've had we've done a few now, so you, some people will be listening with the benefit of having listened out to other ones, and they'll have some knowledge themselves, or great, far greater than us for some of them. But then some people are listening that just don't know anything, and they're mm. just coming in. It's like, where do we start with every single episode? Where do we? How do we help people? Well, how yeah. many how many um, pods have you listened to or started listening to, listening to that you've gone? 
I'm going to go back to the start. You, you, Most people don't. They go from, you know, day whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 The only person I've ever heard say that they did was Daz. He went back to the start of Preston's Investors yeah. Podcast. Did he? And went through them all. But was it on like four times speed or something? Probably. Yeah, because, yeah, exa- exactly. Like yeah. he's just, he's a, he's an I think animal. one of the things we sort of forget to do is like, define yeah. the problem. So I, I studied engineering at Union. They train you to really focus on what you're trying to do and, and working backwards <laughs> to find the best solution. And a, and a good example of the problem we have is um, my, my grandfather passed away. My grandmother gave him his gave me his old coins, and he collect, collected these um, 1966 50 cent coins. So they're round 50 cent coins. They have the same design as the current 50 cent coins, but they're 80 percent silver. Mm-hmm. And so he knew, and like the people, some people knew that these were more valuable. He kept them, and he kept like ones in good condition. <clears throat> so that those coins are worth twelve dollars. The silver oh. content is worth $12, yep. but the face value is still legal tender at 50 cents. Huh. So, you know, if you can just give examples like that to show people, hey, this is the same money. What over time, it's losing value. We can no longer afford to fill this coin with silver because the, there's just, just so many of them. Um, another great example that I've used is the postage stamp. So the Australian currency we have now is, came in about 1964 and in the in around that time, a postage stamp, like a domestic stamp to send a letter somewhere in Australia, was five cents. Now it's a dollar twenty. But it should be cheaper, right? We have better mm-hmm. trucks, we have computers to move the letters around the DCs and everything like that. Why is it the same thing that was five cents in nineteen sixty four, a dollar twenty now? And mm-hmm. that just shows you like how the devaluation of our money. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably if you're someone who's really new and just not um, like a really like a normie. You really have to decide to find the problem first and say, look, this is our money is broken. That's without even talking about bank accounts and fractional reserve and everything like that. Just and it's it's quite easy now because you can just look and see the inflation are all around you. Um and the price yeah. of, you know, everything going up. But the, you know, a couple of like tangible things like that. It's quite nice to hold. It's not that expensive to buy. Like they're about 18 bucks to buy a, a silver 50 cent coin, but they're heavy. Like it's a really dense metal and you can kind of feel the value of it. Um if you've if you're trying to convince someone in person and you and you give them that. So this is what real money is meant to feel like. This is the rubbish that we have now. Made of, I don't know what's made of nickel or something. Um, that's that can be a good starting point. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine who's a his son is into metal detecting, and they recently went down to Victoria to the uh, I guess the gold fields of Victoria somewhere. Oh, right. and they went metal detecting when they you know they and they found that they actually did find a gold coin which was eighteen fifty eight. Wow, which is um which but. So, so it was a gold coin, but it's and it's eighteen fifty eight. But um, which I think it, they've looked up and it's worth um about about eight hundred bucks or something. Yep. But it's also they think it was an eighteen fifty seven that was restamped eighteen fifty eight, and because that's a rare coin, it's also they think it's going to be more. So they're having yeah. to have it valued, etc. So anyway, but the point is, there's there's two lessons to be learned there. One that was the gold value. Look at the gold value over time, and two the scarcity value yeah, and the other thing too. So you can and you can if you can find these little things that mean something to somebody in their field, whatever it is, you know, for other people yeah. it might be just the cost of a Mars bar. Like what was that when you were a kid, or whatever, yeah. or kind of kind of coke. What was that when you were a kid? Um, and you can explain the problem that way. But when the when the inflation, as you say, is the inflation problem has got worse, mm. it's much more obvious, and then it's easier to tell the story. Um, when it's just one or two or three percent, you know, you think it's not too bad, and you don't really care. But maybe if it gets to ten or fifteen, that's a problem for people. Um, yeah. So I still, I still go to beer, believe it or not. Sure. Well, yeah, two two dollars. I, I believe it, Brent. Yeah, two dollars <laughs> for a schooner down at the local pub when I was like eighteen. Yeah, and what would and, it cost? You know, your local. Like a, oh, 
like fucking it depends now like uh, yeah anywhere from nine to thirteen dollars yeah. for a beer but i said i used to get ten dollar palmer and pot when i was at uni mm. right crazy but that's in some ways obfuscated away from it, like the, the uni pub versus the trendy pub that you might now drink in or the mm. craft beer they might drink mm. in. And now, so people say, oh, but you're not drinking the same thing mm. or something. But if you just, if it's trying to get like for like mm. and over time. Yeah. Um, and that's where a postage point... stamp is really good because it's basically yes. it's the same service, right? Yes. And it should be cheaper. Like with, all, humans, we should, with all of our economic improvements and technology improvements in, since 1964, that should be cheaper. And yet it's way, way, way more expensive. Yeah. Um, and that that's just like to me, because like, I did a lot of research trying to figure out what is the best way to explain this. And I thought, okay, a postage stamp. That's something everyone understands. And you see the price would just keep going up. It's crazy. Yep. Does did have you ever heard an argument to try to to try to rationalize stamps going up? Like, you know, oh, it's harder to deliver because there's less. So we need to charge more. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever heard that argument? Oh, I think recently they might try and make that argument. But before the internet, like this has been a trend, you know, since the 60s, like since the dollar was in, Australian dollar was introduced. Yeah. Um, I think they just kind of look at their costs and, you know, everything is going up. The labor is going up a few percent a year. The petrol is going up. Um, yeah, I, don't, I haven't kind of spoken to anyone who represents Australia Post to try and defend their position. But, <laughs> you know, it's... um. Like it's pretty obvious to us why it, why it's happening, right? And and even then, I think they Australia Post struggles to make a profit. Yeah, I, I think. I, yeah, I don't know. So you go. On. No, I, when I've explained that kind of idea of inflation and money and all that kind of stuff to normie friends or family, they get it. Like, there's no argument against the the, the rationale. You know, like they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But they can't get the next make that step, step. And, and and that's that little void there. I'm not sure where where that is, or what, like what I'm missing, what we're missing as a you know Bitcoin maxi community. Oh, well, I think at that, at that point, you get to the, you get to, what am I trying to say? You're you get to the point where you're trying to not just convince somebody of something new, but you're also then having to convince them of some of the beliefs that they already hold. Are wrong. are wrong yeah and yes. people are pe- people are That's not scary. Are, people yeah. are really resistant understandably we're all resistant to that right it's like a, it's a too hard thing because i think like in my experience they just go oh that's that's right but then they go nah, shrug, yeah, shrug yeah. Their shoulders but and, if you notice the difference when you go to a young person yeah and explain it to if you were to explain this to a 15 year old or something mm. you'd probably find that they'd be like they just they follow your logic and go okay 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 yep yeah. Whereas, but because they're, you're not having to dismantle all of these other previously held beliefs, that, yes. you know, yes. and I don't, and it would, none of us like that. I mean, yeah. look, at, and it's across everything. Like, it's like you're asking people in, well, at the same time as they're maybe dismantling beliefs around the teach, you know, school system or, you know, the medical system or their government, or they're like, it's just another thing and I can't cope with another thing. Yeah, I think that's um, definitely it. Particularly so, when they're maybe under stress and, you know, financially, like everybody's under stress financially. A lot of people just more don't so. want to be responsible. They, they're quite happy that the RBA is kind of sorting out the money for them and someone's managing their super. You know, they, they just don't want to have to deal with that. And then when you kind of, exp- like what you're doing is you're breaking down and saying, being a sovereign individual is I'm responsible for everything. So I'm mm-hmm. in control. No one can debase my currency, but it's up to me. If I lose the password, then it's, you know, I'm screwed. And some people that just freaks them out. They just can't deal with that. They want someone else to deal with that. And you can do that in Bitcoin too. But I think, yeah, it's 
there there's that saying you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink yeah there's, there's some people who you you will listen to you and you they're the ones you focus on and there's other people it's just too much it's too scary to to break just what, what you're saying is well you kind of we don't even need the rba like this whole structure of like what's reported in the newspaper we don't need any of that like that that's a very scary concept and but they can't really imagine mm-hmm. such a different world and i don't know what it's going to look like but they can't imagine that this world is going to change they have to see it with their own eyes first oh i just i i still can't see how it's going to get easier for people because like in this current environment like, <clears throat> people are stressed enough you know and like by adding a- another layer of complexity to their lives, you know, mm. I can kind of understand from a normie perspective why they would just be like, fuck me. Like I, I can barely pay my bills. I can, you know, barely feed, <laughs> Sorry, <my stomach. laughs> feed my kids or hats. Who's, who's um, hungry. Um, why do I need to start thinking about this? So, because they'll have to. Yeah. Anyway. No, no, I was going to say was I, so I think that the first, roughly the first 10 years of Bitcoin is about greed. Because yes. it's about the people who can get it and go, wow, there's an opportunity there. Mm. And then the next, I'm talking about from our perspective, sitting in Australia, right? So maybe may vastly different from other people in other countries. But the next ten years, because they might be here already, but the next ten years are actually going to be about fear, and that that those those years have started yeah. already. So yeah. like that was 2019. So they start they've started, and for some people, they're really right in the middle of it. But like I think coming very soon is like people are. You're just not going to able be able to deny it anymore. It's going to be yeah, yeah. it's going to be so fucking painful for them mm. that it's they're not going to be able to, and they're just going to capitulate into it. And which is, I don't want that. This is why I'm doing. This is why we do yeah. this. This is why yeah. we're all sitting here. Yeah. We, um, we're trying our best to bring people across. We unfortunately we can't get everyone out. Like it's it's. I kind of feel like as Bitcoiners, we're going to have to deal with survivors' guilt because we're going to be okay. Like we're mm. we're all prepared. But you know, like you look at a, a bank a bank account. Um, you can only get one or two thousand dollars a day out in cash from your bank, and if we've like if everyone tries to pull their cash out, it's not there. Mm, yep. Um, and so some people are going to get really hurt by this at some point. Either the our currency is going to be hyperinflated away, or the banks are going to collapse. Like I, I don't see another way out other than those two options. And so yeah, I mean a lot of people are going to lose like all their hard earned work that they put in and put into their salary. Thought the bank would look after them. And um, yeah, I mean, like people like yourself and myself and others are trying to push this word out there. But even if we were successful, not everyone can get out. Like it's just not mathematically possible for everyone to pull their money out. It's just, and that's kind of like a pretty scary concept. I mean, I try not to be too personal on this, but like we, my wife drives a shitbox of a car. <laughs> um, she's got the worst car, and she's a new car, right? So we're we both- talked about this recently, actually, about my car being shit. No, no, your wife and I. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. Okay. But and so I've finally gone, yeah, okay, fair enough. But we're not buying a new car, right? But n- what's happened, obviously, through COVID, the money that was pumped in secondhand and, and supply issues, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So sec- even secondhand va- car values went up quite significantly. Mm-hmm. But right now they're falling off a cliff, right? And what's happening there, I believe, is that people are being smashed on their rent and their mortgage and they're selling either yes. the fir- their second car or maybe even their first car to yep. stomach the bill that, that, that's the more important bill that might be the yes. food bill or the, or the roof bill. Yep. yep. Right, but there comes a point where there's people have got nothing left to sell, or yeah. nothing that's going to change, going to make make a material difference to, you know, their their um being able to pay the service the big bills thing, yeah. and that that is the that's the tipping point. Yes, when when you get to that, nothing left to sell, and then people are going to make 
either really good or really bad decisions. Mm. Um, and the rest of us are going to have to deal with whatever decisions that most people make. Most people make. Because we see it here. Like crime numbers are increasing. Yeah. Burglaries yeah. are increasing. Mm. Um, you know, stuff like that. And that's, I don't, okay, it's not nice, but I understand that the vast majority of people wouldn't choose that. They, they're doing no. that. Set, they're doing it out of necessity, right? Yes. hundred percent. Um. And I think we're getting very close to that, and it's not pleasant to think about. So, so, and it's not pleasant for me to think about. Mm. So, mm. you know, and and with and that's first from somebody who hopes that he knows uh, some form of solution. Imagine what it's like for people to think about when they don't even know that there's a solution. Anyway, this is awful, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're good at we good at that. Good at that. Um, so let's talk um hard block for a bit if we mm -hmm. can so yeah you, you, you went to the meetup you met with daniel you yep, went yep. and did a couple of days a week with that so what were you doing at hard block how long were you there um and why why did you move on if, if you don't mind talking about that sure so i i was there for about 18 months as the product manager but it was a small company so i did a lot of different things including onboarding customers um you know checking their customer service emails and that sort of thing but mostly i was there to um implement new features and work with the developer to to, to implement those so i designed the feature and work with the you know giving the instructions on how to how to do program and so on. Um, so <clears throat> if I'm looking back, I'm a, the, the things that I think um, I'm really proud of that I work there is the DCA feature. So there's basically now a way where you can just um, set it up. So you just send money from your bank account on, on a recurring payment. It automatically buys it and then it can automatically send it to your hardware wallet or wherever it'll go in the Bitcoin network. So Was that your that baby? Was yeah. That your little oh, nice. Yeah. Big so, fan over here. Yeah, that's okay, well cool. done. I did not know that. Congratulations. That's great. Um, so yeah, I, I still look at that and think I haven't seen a better product out there, certainly in the Australian market. Um, so that was really cool. And also the withdrawal, um, the fee mechanism. Um, because oh, the, ba the batch transfers on the Saturday night stuff. Oh, I did that. I did that one as well, but also just the manual ones. Because Bitcoin fees are actually really complicated. Um, because you think I if you look backwards at um what you think the fee is gonna be. You have no idea that right in one minute someone's going to dump a whole heap of transactions and the fee market totally changes and you could be stuck for a week. Mm. But yet most Bitcoiners want to pay like 20 cents for a transaction and regret paying even that much. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I tried to design a um, a fee, a transaction mechanism that would make it feel like a wallet that was your own wallet that you could just use to send. So we, we made it so it was linked to the mempool space fee calculation, which is much more sophisticated than what you get out of Bitcoin Core. Um and I think for the most part that worked until recently with that, um, you know, the ordinals and how it stuffed up the whole yeah. mempool. But um, yeah, so I worked on that. And then we also, I just redesigned the whole website. So Daniel has actually been running that company since 2014. Mm. And so yeah. um, web design's come a fair, a fair way in that time. So it kind of needed a refresh and it really wasn't designed for mobile. Cause I think back in 2014, probably people weren't using their mobiles as much as they would now. Now it's like almost all mobile use. So yeah, the, the kind of final thing I did was, um, to redesign the, the mm -hmm. interior and exterior of the website. And then kind of that project was done and my wife and I had decided to start a, a, a business. So she's a neuropsychologist and she was working for a, a someone else's practice and they were taking a third of her pay. And I'm like, you know what? I could do that uh, and we could keep like pretty much most of that one third. Mm -hmm. um, so I basically have a job and she has her same job. So we have our own practice now. Um, and it's really good because we've got two kids who are three and a six year old. And so we kind of balance, we have a lot of flexibility in terms of balancing how we look after the kids and how we work. Um, so that was um, kind of, you know, fortuitous timing that I'd finished that piece of work and our business was sort of starting to ramp up. And then around the same time, 
Ethan, because I had been working with um, the Australian Bitcoin industry body, um, working on just submissions to Treasury, like writing the submissions. And Ethan, um, who is the chairman and like started that um, organization, suggested that I apply to be the CEO. And so I did that as well. Um, and so, so kind of at the same time, um, I got that role, finished up the hard block, started our business. And that's kind of the setup I'm in at the moment. So, yeah, balancing all of that. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where we get to, right? So mm. <laughs> um, I fully respect mm-hmm. what you guys are trying to do. Right, I it's 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 excellent. My my um uh reticence, I guess, is round about not about what you guys are trying to do. It's about whether government are ever going to be willing um to um deal with you and respond to you in a in an honest fashion. Um, talk to us about what your experience has been on that kind of thing so far. Sure. Um, I just just go. I was, I was going to say before you do, I'm going to put my two cents in. Yeah. Um. My view is that if if we as maxis don't have a seat at the table, we're doing ourselves a disservice. When there's someone like what is it, Blockchain Australia or mm-hmm. whatever, who are the only ones with a voice, and we don't have a voice. Very, very quickly. I'm just going to just add to that and then we'll let, we'll let, let's just uh, argue. You go, yeah. You mean you're like, all from as a, well, you have two, but like as a guy who did quite a lot of years in government, I, I became a line in the sand. I was like, a, you can't tie projects together. You just, if something's broken, you got to go, that's broken. Let's go start a new thing and, and move from here. And wait for everyone. No, no, no. And then slowly bring the problem from, yeah. Like fix, like line in the sand. There's a problem over there. We start a new thing over here and we we gradually try and bring people. We start, we're good from here on and then we gradually try and pull people across rather than trying to marry the two systems and, mm. and move forward. Because anyway, that's the, that's a debate. Yeah. Why and where, who's right and who's wrong and, and uh, yeah. why? Maybe i just give you, uh, for the listeners, a bit of context of Please. the Australian Bitcoin industry body or ABB. Uh, that's a good idea. So... so <laughs> As Brendo mentioned, prior to AB being formed, the only representation a crypto or Bitcoin firm could have was through Blockchain Australia, who represent a whole heap of um, crypto projects, including Alex Saunders, who I think was on their board. And then, you know, when he, I don't know what, did he go to jail? But like, you know, when he, that scam happened, they just quietly rubbed him out of their website. Was that Nugget something? Oh, Nugget News. News. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Alan. Yeah, okay. And that's not the first time something like that happened. Um. And so that was just not a tenable position for any of the Bitcoin on the exchanges to, to be represented by them. But all of the exchanges have to register with Austrac. It's just the only way to operate an exchange in Australia. And if you want to meet with Austrac, you have to have an industry body. There are 400 and something exchanges registered. So they're not going to meet with every single one. They're like, okay, well, if you want to meet with us, you have to form an industry body. So Ethan said, fine, I'll form an industry body. Um, so he went and did all the work and all the, you know, it's, it's a registered um, uh, not-for-profit, I think. Um, he did all the legal and accounting work to get it set up. And now we do have regular meetings with Austrac. So it means that our exchanges can have a two-way interaction with them. So I guess it is it is kind of a weird thing. It'd be like going into, into a church and saying that God doesn't exist. Like it's kind of the message that we're giving. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of people, like it's just an untenable position. And so we do a lot of work where you kind of think, is anyone listening? But there's kind of, 
there's a couple of subtle things that I think are important. One is we're not actually representing Bitcoin. We're representing Bitcoin businesses in Australia. Yes. yes. So if you want to run a business in Australia and use Bitcoin or accept Bitcoin or be a Bitcoin exchange, you have to follow the rules. You have to put your GST forms in. You have to, um, you know, there's all sorts of things you have to do. And so you have to know how to do that. And if the government hasn't defined for you what rules to follow, then you don't know what to do. And so, you know, ABIB, I hope, will have a role in kind of helping to shape maybe some of that a little bit. Um, there's also, you know, little things could make quite a big difference. So, for example, there's a, a, a guidance on the ATO website about a personal use asset in crypto. It's something like if you acquire the asset for less than $10,000 and you intend to use it to spend, then you don't have to pay capital gains tax. Yeah, You could interpret that that, you know, if I bought some Bitcoin, then I move it to my Lightning wallet and I spend it, then I don't have to pay capital gains tax. But wouldn't it be amazing if we got a ruling um, that actually made that really clear? Yep. And you're like, every time I use my Lightning wallet, it's capital gains tax free, something like that. So there's kind of, there's little things like if we could just get a few clarifications that we could go off and do our own thing in Bitcoin and we'd know what to do. We could tell the accountants, look, here's the ruling. Um, the government go off and do their thing and make lots of debt and whatever. We're not going to, you know, be bothered by that. But, you know, the, the government is not going to go and destroy themselves. <laughs> um, they're not going to get rid of the RBA. But I also think, and this is, you know, we we did a, a petition which we could get into. Um, I kind of would like if we didn't, if we had like a smooth transition from where we are now to where we're going. Like, I don't want to, um, I think it would be quite bad if we had like a total destruction, like the, the government just ran out of money because the Australian dollar became worthless. Um, maybe not everyone disagrees with that, but I think from a societal perspective, um, if the government adopted Bitcoin earlier than other countries, it would be better for all of us. That, that's my perspective. Um, I think some people think maybe it'll give them too much power, but the thing is, thing, if they had Bitcoin, they can't just print it. Like they can't just issue a lot of debt against it. Like it would constrain yeah. them. You know, I, I think Sri Lanka serves as a very good example of a government that mismanages their finances. They, um, they went organic and their their rice crops um, plummeted. So they became an ex, from being an exporter to an importer. So they started running out of money. And then all of a sudden they couldn't afford to buy ships of petrol and their country ran out of petrol. You know, like, yeah. I don't want that to happen here. There you go. Hats, what do you say to that? <laughs> um, well, I, I see I'm wrong. You guys are right. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. But I'm not getting involved because yeah. all I'm just, just, and I don't mean that in a really negative way. I just mean, like, literally, I got to the point where I was like, it was became a, a problem for me to work in an environment, and it was just like so painful to work in that mm. I just like I need to get myself out of this and do something more positive. Yes. Um, and I just don't haven't haven't had that experience. I don't want to see other good people have to have that experience. Mm. Um, yeah. But if they're able and stronger, tougher than me and able to take it on, more power to you, then awesome. Yeah, um, and I don't think you're wrong. And I, and I know what those environments are like. That's why I've had to quit jobs a couple of times. Mm. Um, but like a really good example is just is like in the last couple of days, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who's running for president in America, has said, um, it's interesting, the article title focuses a lot on Bitcoin. He, he basically said he wants to back US T-bills, which is like a form of US debt, with 1% hard money. So hard assets. Gold, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hard asset. Gold, silver, platinum, or Bitcoin. Now, the Bitcoin, as I said, oh, it's, going to, it's going to be Bitcoin. But even if it's just not even 1% Bitcoin, it's a lot of Bitcoin. But once, if that were to happen, and maybe it's not this election cycle, maybe it's the next one, 
and Australia goes and follows suit, who do you want them to talk to to figure out how is it best to inter- implement this sort of thing? Is it Blockchain mm. Australia or is it mm. ABIP? Um, and I think what we've been doing, so I'll, I'll probably, you know, we, we did a petition recently. Yeah, can you talk about that, please? Yeah. Yeah, so we wanted to um, we wanted to do a petition around one of our manifesto um, items and the one that I chose was about the HODL Act, which we wanted to, to see governments and councils holding Bitcoin. And so I thought, a good way to do that would be to argue that the RBA should hold Bitcoin um, and just like a little bit of context. So in Australia, as it's, the information is publicly available, the Reserve Bank is a 100% government-owned entity of the Australian government and Treasury is like an economic advisor. In America, Treasury, the Treasury Department actually issues the debt and the Reserve Bank, uh, there's a whole history behind that, um, prints the money. But so it's, I think it's a different setup in Australia, but um, so to, for, for context, we asked for legislation so that the RBA would hold 2% of um, what's called foreign exchange assets or reserve assets in Bitcoin. And the Bank of International Settlements has issued guidance at 1% to 2%. A, a bank can hold up to 1% to 2% of their capital in, in cryptocurrencies. So I thought, well, that's kind of, they're basically endorsing it. This is the central bank of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's like an insurance policy. It's, you're not saying convert everything. But if you look at what we hold, um, 88% of Australia's um, money is in fiat currencies and different kind of forms of fiat currencies. Uh, and this is external to the Australian dollars because we can just print as many as we want of those. We have 80 tons of gold, which is very little. Mm. And most of that is in England. So it's not custodied in our country. And we have four bars of gold in Sydney. So the whole wealth of Australia that's not fiat currency is four bars of gold in Sydney. Is that real? Is that true? That's wild. I heard you yeah, say that, that is in an official document in a PDF from a from the IBA website. <clears throat> four <clears throat> bars, like a, like a bar this size. Oh, they're, they're kilo bars, so they're worth probably a million bucks each, but still. Four million, four million bucks for a that's whole what, country. And then the yeah. rest of what we own is fiat currencies and there's some gold in England. But, you know, like there's a history of countries not giving gold back. So that's you know what you know about self custody, um, and that was kind Not of the, the impetus, yeah. So let's just like just pull the thread on that one, right? So let's forget Bitcoin for a second, right? Sure. And let's say mad we get Mad Max scenario. Um, We're that's fine. where Australia's starting. We're fucked, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, granted, there's there's also minerals under the ground. Yeah, we've so got gold in the ground, so but you got to you got to expend energy to get it out. I, I, yeah. Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. Who, who, sorry, who sent their boat? Was it France? Someone France. Was, yeah, yeah, France. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 1971, they sent it. I couldn't find good evidence about this, but they sent a destroyer to New Jersey to get their gold back. Yeah. And Nixon and they closed got the it. gold window. No, they didn't. Oh, I thought they got it, and then no, Nixon, I think Nixon I think goes, no. Uh, no, I think someone else got it bef- like a month before. Maybe Germany uh, or someone else. Got I thought it was other way around. I thought it was France that got theirs, and then the Brits went for theirs, and we're and told they said no. no. Yeah, I, I don't. Be, yeah, 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 so there's not yeah. like there's not great firsthand evidence about this. It's kind of a bit of an old wives' tale. But yeah, um, I'd like to. See I believe France knows. missed out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And like you kind of when I look at England as a country right now, um, I believe they're going to have a lot of issues with. Because um, they put all their food and all their energy, I think they have a lot of issues. And if it comes to feeding their people or stealing Australia's gold, I think they're going to steal Australia's gold first before they, yeah, you know, starve their people. So yeah. that's just not where I would want our gold to be. It should be in our country. Fuck yeah, totally. Um, so 
What was the response to the the petition, and what can you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, and what can you do with that, if 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 anything? Yeah. So we we were surprised. Um, a lot of people were quite strongly against the petition for the reason that they um, they just hate central banking and they think we shouldn't be supporting the RBA at all. And I, I get that perspective. I wasn't able to get anyone who provided me um, with actual information that I could like research that showed that the RBA was like a private organization that was enriching individuals. Like it could be true. I could believe that. I could believe anything now. Um, I think they were saying, well, the Federal Reserve does it, therefore the RBA mm. also does it. But I, as far as I can tell, that's not true. But if I, I'm happy to be corrected if someone has better information. So they, they really didn't like that. Um, and I kind of made, I think I made the point to you, Hats over email that, well, El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender, therefore their central bank is holding Bitcoin. Like, mm. that's a, like they have to, right? That's an outcome of that decision. Why is this different? And you, you made an interesting point that, um, but that's sort of like the people are starting to hold it first. And, and like, I would like to see that happen. Um, but kind of my, my logic is, well, if the RBA holds 2%, then probably every state government would hold 2% and then every council and every business and it would just kind of go from there. So it's kind of like saying, yeah, this is money. We authorize this. I would I would expect that there might maybe better capital gains tax treatment, certainly clear, clear, clearer rules. Um, so it, it's like it's kind of endorsing it, and then everyone can follow along. And like the normies we talked about before, who kind of need to see it with their eyes. If they saw that, they'd be like, "Oh, Bitcoin is actually safe." All those people who told me it was for criminals. Now, now the mm. RBA is doing it. It's, it's now safe. So mm. you know, it's kind of interesting. You can you sort of see RFK kind of proposing a very similar mechanism. Um, you know, if America does it, then maybe we will we will do it too. Um, I, I still think it's going to be with the RBA. Like there isn't, I don't believe in federal, I'm not an expert, but I don't believe in federal government. There is a another place where they have a bank. <laughs> like I don't think there's another place that has money. It's like the RBA is the place that does, deals with the money. And that's why I, I targeted it to there. But so we only got in the end just under 300 signatures, which is, you know, pretty small considering the power of this community. And I think, yeah, we just, the learning for me, um, you kind of like if I was to do something again, I'd probably do a bigger pilot. So we tested the idea within the ABIB community, but not in the kind of broader, like the you know the Bush Bash community, for example. Yeah, I think had we done that, we might have tweaked it differently. Um, and a, a key key learning for me is that you need everyone to be on board because we have such limited resources. We don't have a budget of all, of any you know maybe a few hundred dollars to play around with but we have very limited resources so if you want to get a message out in in the press you need lots of money so we we all have to be 100% on board we can't be fighting amongst ourselves and this is what happens if you fight amongst ourselves the issue issue didn't go anywhere um but you know what that's still there that still has to be read by a senator i think um and um that will be there forever in in, in text so if some if we ever do kind of get to that situation we can point to say look this is what we suggested and yeah, uh, this was the Bitcoin yeah. price at the time. And- I told you I was right. And yeah, there's, and there's a piece of paper that proves it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's there now. Like we we've learned some lessons. Um, I'm still happy we did it. Um, and like someone still has to read it, like in in government. So you never and, know where where something like this might lead. And with your conversations with the likes of Oztrack or whatever, like what? How good is their understanding in terms of what Bitcoin is, how it differs? Um. And how how open yeah. are, they, are they? Are they learning? Are they? Are you seeing them come along the come along the path a bit? A little bit. So they they don't really care about Bitcoin as money or anything. They they really just care about the money laundering stuff. And they mm-hmm. make a reasonable argument that like a lot of um, 
Bitcoin still enables like the transfer, very easy transfer of money out of the country. Um, so it's like in from that respect, because it's the most liquid from their perspective, um, they see it as still kind of a big threat in terms of money laundering. And I, I guess I get that argument. Um, I've really been pushing for like a threshold on KYC because from my experience and observation, <clears throat> the scammers are always trying to get a lot of money out very quickly, but they're never doing $10 a day on a DCA. It just never yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you could just start, like if they could even give us a threshold of like 50 bucks a day deposit, um, I think a lot of people would jump at that for KYC free Bitcoin. But yeah, they, they're kind of, I think their hands are tied a lot with the, like at an international level, like the guidance comes down from an international level. And if Australia doesn't um, adhere to it, then some of our businesses can be locked out of international transactions. So it's, it's a I way. guess there's a lot of nuance there. Like I can kind of see their perspective. Um, they are kind of just, you know, doing their kind of bureaucratic jobs. I don't think they, like they understand enough, I suppose. And I, you know, like I've done a lot of, well, a few treasury submissions. They understand a fair bit there, not more than you would think, but probably not, as much as a Bitcoiner, I suppose. But yeah, doing this this role has kind of given me some appreciation for the perspective of say Austrac and also the banks. And, and they're not, I don't think they're evil. In fact, all the people I've dealt with, I think are really good people, but they've got to try and um, they've got different incentives, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. this And that sort of brings us to um, like, who who is the they that we all talk about? They being the big bad man in the room. Like, who is the they that is making it difficult? Have we just made bureaucracy Hillary so complicated? Yeah, yeah, and the lizard people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have we just made bureaucracy so complicated that none of us can get around it? We're all just looking for the easy option, and we go for the easy option. Or is are there genuinely genuinely people, you know, puppeteers at the background, or are or are the puppeteers, or are the people just absolutely taking advantage of the situation, right? There's, there's, yeah, I, I think, think there are. Oh, sorry, man. I, I think because there's so many layers, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't sort of see the forest for the trees, as they say. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway, sorry. I think there are puppeteers, but I don't think they're in Australia. I think they're kind of Western Europe, America. And, and we kind of have to, as a country, play along a little bit because we need help. We're a relatively small country. Um, you know, we kind of have to please China because we export a lot to them, but we have to please America so we can get their military aid. And so we kind of, we play along a bit. Like we're not doing it 100%, but we play along a bit. But I think there are some puppeteers um, that have done some stuff. And they, I think they're kind of, you know, England, Western Europe, America, there's, there's stuff that goes on there. I, I think what I used to think was conspiracy, almost every conspiracy I've looked into I've discovered is actually real. Who, um, what, tell me. Names. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Go. Well, we didn't go to the moon. There's one. Oh, you don't think we did? No, we definitely did. No, no. No I'm chance. With, I'm not with you. <laughs> Are you a flat earther too? That's the only one I haven't looked into. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But yeah, and I'm not a flat earther, no. No. I did see somebody with a jar of piss on their Twitter pro Twitter thread today saying that some other Bitcoiner told I don't think it was a real jar of piss. Maybe it was, I don't know. But it was like a jar of piss in the picture is like the my latest the latest rabbit hole I have to dive down is drinking my own piss. <laughs> and then somebody <laughs> underneath was like, if this is the latest Bitcoiner rabbit hole is a hard oh, pass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like you just don't know you just don't know where to stop. And this is this sort but this sort of does a full circle a little bit because it's like even I mean I'm not talking about the jar of piss, but even we who are open to these discussions are still going, oh, that one's a bit too like for you. The moon, I'm not talking about the moon, you know, the moon's just a hard fact as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to research it, you know, like you know, whatever, right? Uh, 
There's, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to draw a line somewhere. The things you're not prepared, you're just not got the capacity to take on. To okay, well, let's quickly go to the moon, right? So, <laughs> I believe that the moon <clears throat> happened, the landing happened, because if it didn't, so many fucking people had to be complicit in that entire arrangement. Mm. Like so many people. So give me a sell me. Give me a thirty second sure. sell. Didn't plan on doing this on the Bitcoin podcast, but yeah, yeah. Um, I believed it too until about four months ago, and then I looked into. It, I'm like, no, nah, there's no way it happened. Like, Why? It, it, this is in the '60s, right? And so a lot of people watched it on TV when they um, what they filmed. They had cameras filming a projection screen. They didn't get a live a live feed of the. Um, of the moon landing and they staged it all. And you can kind of, there's a couple of interviews that have come out more recently with NASA astronauts. There's some um, radiation belts around the earth, which they didn't understand fully in the sixties that we can't, humans can't pass through. Um, so basically the highest shuttle that's ever been in like really, I think was like 300 miles above earth. And they had to pull it down because the radiation was so bad that the astronauts were seeing like light going into their irises. Like they were like um, shooting light in their eyes. So, um, you know, basically they had to, I think it was sort of after Vietnam was going really badly, um, there was the Cold War, and they had to kind of give some good news to the to population. And Kennedy had promised that they would go to the moon within a decade. And they're like, okay, we're going to deliver this promise. And they they basically staged it with um, 1960s tech um, film. And if you watch, it's very hard to get the, the, the footage because they know that people who investigate it, it'll, it's really obvious that it's fake. Um, but if you, if you watch the footage, it's just like, really bad computer game like it's really bad 1960s cgi or probably not even cgi it's probably hand animation um some of the shots that are meant to be of the um like the moon launcher taking off from the moon and it just goes like in a like a right angle it just like it's not physically possible um i was blown away because i i totally believed it um up until about i heard someone i really trusted is a guy called alex craner he has amazing geopolitical analysis just i don't know him he's like a, he's in europe he's a um he's on podcasts and he said i'm like no that's not true and i like i read about it i like i googled it oh no i used start page and i could it's, it's one of the most heavily censored topics on the internet i reckon it's really hard to find good content um and i found um like there's a couple of search engines like metager and there's another one where you can get good information um, you certainly can't do it on youtube you have to go to odyssey um and once the first time i googled it I was like, oh, no, that's, that's no, we went to the moon. And then I, I got kind of into it again and found some content. And I was just like, just no way. It's just no way. Like, you, once you learn these things, there's just no way we went. So, so, so hang on. So, Elon going to Mars. I mean, hang never, on. Let's start before, never. before that. Our, yeah. I mean, I don't like our, our rockets going into space. Yeah. But you're saying that people. Oh, they go not... into space into orbit. Yeah. Around the like, Earth. Yeah. No, but what about, okay. sorry, what about the. Um... Like international Voy- space. the Voyager, you know what I mean? Like going out to Jupiter and fucking disappearing out of the solar system. Oh yeah, that can happen. There's no person on there, right? Because there's the people. Well, they would have been like dogs people would die. Shit. Yeah, maybe, but the, it's the radiation yeah. kills the people. So you can send a machine out there. So we're so okay. So we're never uh, an interplanetary species. We're dying on this planet. Is that the is that the idea? Well, until we solve that issue, because you need to stop the radiation. You need like a lead shield. And lead is incredibly heavy, heavy. To, to launch, uh, you know, to launch weight off the ground is expensive. So, yeah, we currently don't have a solution. So it's propulsion versus lead. 
Is yeah. that what we're saying? Yeah, you need you need a shield to shield you from the radiation. We we currently don't. There's, there's videos of NASA astronauts like recently in the last few years so saying. He, so is Elon like in your opinion is Elon part of this? Oh, uh, he's not part of it. It's the CIA that's behind the moon stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, he's also kind of it is. Yeah, it's saying, basically a lie. Yeah, he's I don't see how you it's can... possible. So it's. Yeah, it's not. Wow, I don't. I I'm I not on board, Jeremy, but I love it. Uh, yeah, I love it. Shit. <laughs> but oh, JP, you got to you've fully got to tag <clears throat> JP in this. Okay, we'll do. I just um, the thing that gets me about it, and I've I, I'm not taking a position either. We have no idea. Yeah, but um, we went is if moon. we genuinely went to the moon, then why have we not been back? If that was yes. that's the point, that's, that, that, that that is a good point. That is a good like question. why why would why would that not have happened by now? I, yes. that, I, I don't understand why that. Like, mm. I just logically, I'm like, if it was possible and we'd worked out, then yeah, other people would have gone by now. But I could be entirely wrong. I don't, who knows? How did we get to this? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, conspiracies. Yeah. Conspiracies. Oh, you know what? Sorry. While we're on it, I love like I do actually really enjoy that shit. So there's, I get this Illuminati bot, um, thing on my feed, which is just some crazy shit, like Hillary Clinton. Fucking chilled, oh, or the worst fucking depraved shit, and I'm like, there's no way this is true, but I have to, I have to read this. I have to go, but, oh. but this is the world of clickbait like and everything we're left. Oh, and totally, it, totally. But, but, yeah, but if that's the problem, right? If you if you see it as entertainment, it's like, oh, this is funny, or this is amusing, or whatever. Like, and then you can just let it slide, and it's just oh, your the way to zone out not for the day. That's too. fine. That's no yeah, problem yeah. with that. Oh, that's just like going to a football match at the weekend, but. If you feel like you have to dig into every single conspiracy theory and you, you all of a sudden your whole worldview is blown yes. up, that's a problem because yep. people then yeah. can't manage that. They can't cope with it. No, but come back to the you know the orange peeling discussion. Think about the Thanks way that you back. <laughs> think about yeah. the way you guys are feeling when I raised the topic of the moon landing and I gave you some facts and you're like, no, that's not true. That's not true. They'll flip around when you're trying to tell your family and your friends about Bitcoin and how the money is is uh, yes. you know being inflated away. Like it's the same thing, right? You're like, oh, you're changing my worldview. This is uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yes. You know that's it's exactly the same process. So it's kind of a good experience to go through on the other side and go, oh, that's what it feels like. That's what my family's feeling like when I say things about Bitcoin. I'm saying these words that I know to be true, and yet they're just like, no, nah, it's, it's yep. doesn't doesn't fit in my beliefs. Therefore, I'm not going to even listen to them. Yeah. So we, so we have to. Well, let's not talk. Let's talk about the moon. So how do you talk about? We're we going back to the moon. Let's go back to the moon. So how do you talk about that issue in a way that people are willing to talk about that issue? That's the question because that's what we're trying to do in Bitcoin, right? How do we talk about Bitcoin in a way that people are willing to talk about it? Because if we can, if talk, we can solve that riddle. You got to talk to the people who are going to listen. You talked about like a fifteen-year-old. Mm. Um, I looked into Buddhism for a while. I had this concept of a beginner mind. That someone who doesn't have like these kind of um, preconceived ideas about the world. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can find those people who are willing to listen, and then go and and look into it, and then they tell someone else, that's very powerful. Whereas some people are just they're going to go to their grave and they're never going to change their mind. You better not waste your time with them. Let all the other people kind of, you know go from one to another to another um, and and have that kind of sustainable grassroots um, movement happening. And the people who aren't going to get it are going to just follow along later on at a very high price when they see it. And it's like very convenient in their banking app. And, you know, they'll be, they'll be the last to, to join 
uh, or maybe they won't ever, maybe they'll never do it. Um, but I just think there are some people, it's like it's deep in their psyche, these kind of beliefs. And if you unravel that belief, you're like unraveling the whole ego and it's just too scary for them. They just, they just, they can't, it's causes anxiety. You know, it's just never going to, it's never going to change. And I've sort of learned you just, you're just better off not even raising it. Mm. Just focus on people who are going to listen. There was this guy came to the meetup. Um, he was a network engineer and he was saying to us, oh yeah, but Bitcoin, isn't it really slow? You know, like, isn't like, you know, name a shit coin going to be better because it's faster. And I said, no, do you know about lightning? He's like, no. And we showed him his, uh, we gave him, set him up a lightning wallet. We sent him some lightning. He's like, oh, this changes everything. And like, he got it because he was a network yeah. engineer. He understood it. Yeah. You know, when you find someone like that, invest your time in them because they will then tell someone else. But other people will come in and they're just not interested because they want to, they have some other agenda or they have some other belief and it's, you're not going to change it. They have to learn the hard way. But this, so, sorry, oh, okay. Yeah. All I was going to say was, um, the world is just a is just a it's just a set of probabilities, right? Well, not there's very very few absolute hard facts. Hundred percent mm. can't be challenged. If the scientific process went at it for another thousand years, would we find a different yep. result? Probably, you know that kind of thing. There's very mm. few, right? Yep. So, if we're looking at it that way, if let's say the Bitcoin price was ten thousand dollars, right? Mm. Well, if you would take a one percent position on that, are we talking? This is the numbers. Hundred bucks, right? So. A one hundred dollars. So if you were to bet, and a bitcoin. So and if it's if it's probability, and we're, if we're saying it's a binary, bitcoin is a binary thing. You know, it's either going to be or it isn't going to be. Your 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 upside is infinity. Yes. Your down your downside is a hundred bucks. Yep. So this is this is this gets to the what? Where do you start people with? Well, start yeah. really small because yep. up, the upside is so enormous. And the downside is just what you're prepared to lose. So that's it. Like the, the bit you're prepared to lose, I don't mind it's a hundred bucks, one dollar, thousand dollars. Doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter. It, it'll be different for every different person. But if people can look at it that way, I think they can go. Well, it's just hedging. What if I am not? It's like you take out insurance on your car. Yes. Because <clears throat> you know you might crash. You don't think you're going to crash, but you might. Um. So you know you, any. Bitcoin, so that's all Bitcoin is right at this point in time. It's just an insurance policy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you can buy less than one cent of Bitcoin. You know, like it, right? Yeah, like the, the the loss of your money is not a factor if you're putting in ten cents or twenty cents. Like, there's no reason you not to start. So it's, it's almost like you feel that like you just uh, if part of me goes, oh, what if I just gave somebody anybody who asked, you know, hundred sats, anybody who asked, you can have a hundred sats because yep. then they got skin in the game. They start paying attention, start trying to learn a little bit from themselves. But eventually, you're going to get somebody with a bot that asks you a million times, and you yeah, exactly, you, know, you can't do that. So, um, it's just so. Let's little be into the conspiracy side of things. With the recent thing uh, at um, Commonwealth, first of all, a couple of month, month yep. ago. No, the, sorry. Oh, you want a question? I want to go back to the moon. I'll go back. To the moon. I'm still on the moon. right? <laughs> So can you answer me, right? You're going to know yeah. be known as a moon guy. I'm a moon like. expert. I'll do my best. <laughs> Hang on. So if the moon landing didn't happen, mm. which is what, Apollo 11? Yeah, I think so. Right. Apollo 13, did that yep. happen or not? Yep. That happened. Well, no, no, no. Like it, Apollo 13 happened in the same way as Apollo 11. Like none of them went to the moon. But apparently what happened was, so they, they did Apollo 11 and then they did... Apollo 12 and people complained that they were they put the moon landing on over like I Love Lucy or some TV show and so like they were really excited by the first one but the second one like oh we've seen that before so the third one they made it dramatic so that people would tune in again they could make fancy headlines 
Um, so it was all a way of just funneling heaps of money into the into NASA and God knows where it ended up. Um, because they, you know, if you think about all the budget they had, yeah, they didn't actually go to the moon. They were just doing a film set. No, no. So where Apollo, did all that money go? But Apollo thirteen was that whole idea of like they didn't land and there was a big disaster and they had to slingshot themselves. And Tom back. Hanks was in. So, that, yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks was on. <laughs> yeah. Like almost made it to the moon. <clears throat> and then yeah. Um, but the reason it was dramatic was to get it was it was like a script to get people to pay attention again and, and so support they, the fact. they didn't even leave orbit. And slingshot around the moon. Is that the, the thing? They definitely didn't go to the moon. They would have they would have gone into orbit around Earth in a rocket. So they definitely went into the rocket. No, but they, but didn't, they didn't go the to the moon and around no. the moon and back. No. What the fuck? Yeah. I can't okay. You you yeah. finish the pod. I'm just gonna sit and think. <laughs> you're you're gonna think. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we finally got we finally got him to think. Excellent. Um the um so, okay. Sorry, come back. Go and come All back. I was going to say, hey, uh, sorry, it's boring compared to the Actually, moon. Actually, I'm going to go for a piece. Mid-pod. And think, Thanks very yeah, much. I'm sorry, I'm fucking. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so Combank a month or so ago, and then NAB yesterday or the day before, um, have done their thing in terms of restricting money going out mm-hmm. to Bitcoin exchanges that they consider to be, um, I don't know what their wording was, Um potentially harmful or something along this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yep. And, but they will not give you a list of who it is that they're restricting. Yep. And, yep. and they'll also take, they'll take fiat money coming back the other way. So they're yes. happy to take money from scammers, but not send it to scammers. I yep. mean, so where are we? Like, like from our ABIB perspective and mm-hmm. like, are they, is there any discussion happening there? Yeah. So just a little bit of context. So the, there are a lot of scams that do happen with Bitcoin and probably other cryptos. I only worked in a Bitcoin exchange, but I saw firsthand. And so the scam looks like um, someone will approach usually an older person and say, hey, we found this Bitcoin wallet. And it's got like $50,000 in it or name a number, a million dollars in it. Um, so you just have to send $10,000 of Bitcoin to unlock it. So it's like a, you know, the Nigerian print scam. Yeah, yeah. It's like a fancy version of that. Sorry, is this and something the- you were seeing at the exchange or this is something you're yes. aware of? Oh, right. No, okay. I saw it. Yeah, okay. I saw it firsthand. Um, and so they, the person who is hearing that, what they do is they target the most gullible people and they, they know that when they have someone gullible. Yeah. And that person um, will do anything to, to get that million dollars or whatever they've been promised. And so they say, okay, you've got to sign up to this exchange. You've got to say these things. They train them on what to do, how to pass the processes. And so as an exchange, you ask them the question, are you working alone? They say, yes, they're lying. Um, and then you ask them, you know, so they've been trained on how to pass it. And then the the tricky thing with Bitcoin and banking is, so banking, people kind of expect they pay something on their credit card and if they get scammed, they can ring up and the bank will refund them. As you know, in Bitcoin, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So once the Bitcoin leaves, it's gone forever. There's nothing anyone can do to get it back unless the person was, you know, able to, re- chose to refund it. So you have all these scams that happen and it's, it's quite hard to tell sometimes um, who is a scammer and who is genuine. Because the the people are lying, they're being told to lie to pass the the kind of screening processes. Um, they're being trained by these scammers who are overseas, and the scammers just keep doing it until they get caught, or like that person, you know, their account gets blocked, and then they go and find another victim. So this, the value of these scams is growing at about sixty five percent between last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Now, banks um, they have banking licenses, and if they they're kind of they have some fraud metrics that they have to adhere to and they can lose their banking license if they have too much fraud so kind of from their 
perspective, they're sort of responsible. They're sort of giving themselves the responsibility, I suppose, of saying, well, if I allow the transfer from this person's bank account to a Bitcoin exchange and then some sort of scam is committed, then, um, you know, like that looks bad for my fraud metrics and my banking responsibilities. But hang on a second. So you've got gullible, you've got scammer, you've got gullible yep. person A, yep. scammer contacts gullible person, because it's yep. Brendo, right? Yep. Contacts me, where I pulled that name from. Um, yep. So they contact Brendo and they say, if you we'll send you fifty thousand dollars if you send us ten thousand dollars first, but only Something we like can that. do only we can yeah sorry I'm just making up the yep, yep. But only we uh, we can do that is if it's through Bitcoin. So they yep. they they coach them into how to become a customer of a Bitcoin exchange. Yes. Um. They then can encourage the person to buy Bitcoin on that exchange and send them the Bitcoin from the exchange. So so the bank is concerned that their customer who's transferring well, <laughs> they're not really concerned about the customer. They're concerned about the ten thousand dollars, yeah, but yeah. um, they're they're and their banking license. Yes. So. They're cons- they're concerned that the- their customer is being scammed. They're concerned about their license, but they're not actually at the Bitcoin exchange. Actually, isn't I mean, it's I guess it's facilitating the scam, but they have they themselves haven't done anything wrong. No, so the person Unless has potentially been lied the to them. Yeah, well, the person has lied to them. Um, this is interesting. Like, who is responsible? But like, we're talking about you know six figure sums being lost, people losing their life savings, yep. and it's growing very fast. Yep. And so I think what the banks have done is says, like, okay, let's just, just stop this. Let's stop it here. Yeah. And then we'll figure out, okay, how do we operate within this? So Commonwealth put out their um, their notice uh, that they were going to restrict some payments to some exchanges and there were some delays and they talked about like a $10,000 monthly limit. I think they maybe have backed off a little bit on that. So I wrote an open letter to Commonwealth Bank on Twitter through the ABIB account. Um, I haven't heard anything. But um, just kind of expressing the the opinion of the Bitcoin community. We're working on another proposal, which um, would basically be like a mechanism that they could maybe consider implementing. So I don't know if you guys use Comsec, but in Comsec, you have to, um, if you want to trade options. So if you get a Comsec account, you can trade shares straight away. But if you want to trade options, which are super risky, you have to opt into like another level and you have to like accept some terms and conditions and talk, you know, you know, absolve yourself of any risks and so on. And so my suggestion is why don't they create a bank account like that? So you can get a standard bank account and then like you have to opt into maybe this bank account that allows you to transact with Bitcoin exchanges, for example. So we, I've written that. I just need to do some, um, I haven't kind of taken it through the community and I want to get a few people to look over it before we publish it, but that's in the works. Um, the hard part is we don't really have a network into um, the banking industry. So if someone listening is a banker and, knows some senior people at Commonwealth Bank, please let us let me know. Because um, we want to set up a meeting. We'd, we'd like to be collaborative and proactive and work with these people to try and solve the problem because Bitcoin is not going away. So people are going to find a way to buy it. Um, and so I think the banks kind of think the way they can just close it off. But um, people are going to be more and more interested in, in buying Bitcoin. Um, and potentially there's an opportunity for some banks to, to kind of... Um, make an offering that that works with certain exchanges, for example, or I even think they should just bank the Bitcoin industry. So there's only one bank that actually supplies all of the the banking services to the entire crypto industry in Australia. Um, Whereas I think if Commonwealth went and said, okay, we're going to provide banking services to the Bitcoin exchanges, they would have much more visibility about what's going on. Mm. You know, you can start looking at conspiracy theory. The thing I've been actually watching is some of the announcements about cash. Um, Some people may not know that, um, the cash that you hold in your hand, if you deposit in that into the bank, that's called a bank deposit, they can leverage that something like 33 times, which means that like, you know, if you've got $3 in the bank, 
um, they may loan out $100 to someone else. So if everyone tries to claim their cash back, it's not there. Mm. There's been some kind of worrying signs for me about like Westpac. I think we're making restrictions about cash withdrawals and their justification was really like dodgy. Like they're saying, oh, people are using cash less, so we're going to restrict all that. doesn't make any sense. If they're using it less, you don't need to restrict it. Um, and there was a story uh, of a guy depositing some cash and he got like, you know, I think he got his account blocked and stuff. And then there was a lady who tried to take three and a half grand out from a bank in, I think it was Queensland, and they didn't have it in the in the bank. And you just kind of think, I don't know, it's just, it seems a bit suspicious. I don't have any good evidence, but there's just a few things happening. Also, you had Commonwealth Bank the week, last week of the financial year on the Monday. All their systems went down for like six hours. So you couldn't use... I couldn't log into my net bank. You think, oh, that was odd timing into the financial years. That, yeah. So there's kind of a few things happening that maybe think maybe the banking system is not so stable. Is the crypto related to that? I don't know. Um, but I, I do think they have some justification in what they're doing just because they're out, the, the scams are genuine and they are really hard to figure out unless you speak to people. So that's why both of you guys, when I was at Hardlock, I, I actually had to ring you and we used to ring every single person and just ask them questions about to see if they actually understood Bitcoin. Like, how do you do a transaction? And, you know, what are you going to do? Like, where do you know how to store it? Because <clears throat> pretty quickly you could tell, like, if someone couldn't answer those questions that they weren't actually a Bitcoiner. And the only way we knew that they were not scammers is if they were Bitcoiners. And then, like, how did you find out about it? Oh, through the podcast. Oh, okay. Was if they if they made up some story, you know, like, oh, I Googled it. You know, like, you can kind of tell straight away. But yeah. most big exchanges can't afford to call every customer or do a video meeting with every customer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can kind of see that they're, there are going to be some challenges, you know, when you have this interaction of a, a banking system where they're expected to like do reverse um, transactions and then interact that with Bitcoin where the money's gone and then it's never coming back. It, it's messy. The, did When you were doing the kind of cold, not cold calling, but calling uh, verification uh, stuff, like yep. were you finding many that you thought were a bit dodgy or were, were most okay? Um, oh, there was... It was not unusual to find dodgy people. And I think it was, we had improved our systems. It used to be worse. Um, there were sort of things you could look at straight away and just know something was a bit, like, especially if they were older. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly not uncommon to um, to see something dodgy, yeah. Well, you accepted my uncle and he's totally dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> on, on your reference. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. It's all good. He's, he's not dodgy. Um <laughs> So, I kind of a more practically, right? So, if somebody out there is listening, I would guess the most—I don't know—but the vast majority, I would imagine, of our listeners are already Bitcoiners, and some of them may have small businesses and they're trying to start accepting Bitcoin, right? There's mm. going to be people mm-hmm. like that. So, <laughs> yep. Um, what would you re- if those people feel like they want some sort of industry representation? You know, they want to have some a bit of advice. Uh, or they want to speak with other businesses, or they, you know, should how do they how do they go about contacting ABIB, or what do they do? What 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 kind of things would you offer to somebody like that? Yeah, so they can go to our website, which is bitcoinindustrybody.org.au, or I made a short one, abib.au, and just go to contact us, and you'll you'll get to me. Um, and what I think one of the things we can provide that's valuable is just connecting different people. Like we've had a couple, like an accountant and a tax lawyer, become sponsors. And I connected them up. They didn't know each other, but like they've got the same problems to solve. Like how do I hold Bitcoin in my accounting business? Mm. And so I think just having um, probably the most powerful thing we can do is just help people to network and connect because yeah. um, then they can solve their own problems together. 
Um, we can also, for example, and not many people know this, um, I believe Bitcoin, the Bitcoin Moon Fund, which is a charity, will pay for Catan to help people set up, for example, a Bitcoin, uh, a BTC pay server, like if they need that for their website. Oh, cool. That's a service. Yeah. So like if you need to encourage adoption um, or you can just go pay him yourself, uh, Ministry of Knowledge, like it's not he's, um, it's not an official ABIB thing, but, you know, if you need someone to help you do that. Um, we have a community um, on Telegram. So again, if you've got questions where, um <clears throat> you want to interact with people you know we can help that way um but i did want to just come back to the banking thing um and i think kind of people are looking to it's interesting people are looking to someone else to you know regulate the banks or tell them that what they're meant to do and i kind of think you know what it's a free market that's their right to do whatever they want we need to say okay this is the direction of the banking industry in australia how am I going to set myself up personally so that I'm protected from it? Mm. In England, um, half of the banks don't allow transfers to crypto exchanges. Like half of them just don't allow it, full stop. Wow. And it, it, it's possible that we're going to go in that direction. Like we should be, um, like I hope it's not the case and we're trying to to make it not the case, but it, we should be accepting of the fact that maybe it will go that way. Mm-hmm. And so start. I would encourage people to start thinking about, well, what if I'm no longer allowed to... Um, send money from my bank account to um you know my bitcoin exchange or what if i can only get a thousand dollars a day out from the atm you know start thinking about case scenario planet because i, I kind of think sometimes we we're, we're meant to be free market people but then we complain when people make their own decisions you like someone should tell them what to do well that's regulation yeah <laughs> yeah central planning you know like you figure mm. your own solution out is, is kind of i think sometimes uh, you know a good backup plan yeah understanding that there, there is risk on both sides of this equation yes and allocating your own personal wealth in a way that you feel comfortable with and nobody yeah. else nobody else can tell you what that is just you just have to no. go for you just have to go looking for information and come to your own conclusions hmm. no and it's not easy because you got to deal with price volatility and things like that but you know think about a world where it's not going to be okay like you know how you're going to operate it you know you know peer-to-peer transfer at your big bitcoin meetup or you know think it through yeah, back to your earlier point, the number that you need is not a big number. No, it's exactly right. Yeah, you don't, for the long term, if you're looking at 20, 30 years for your super or your kids, buy a house or something, you, you really don't need that much. Mm-hmm. Mate, that's great. Is there anything you would like to ask of people or anything you'd like to, you'd like to get in touch, any help that you require or anywhere you'd like to send them? Look, I think, um, like I said, if we, if someone does work in the banking industry, we'd love to have a contact so that we can just start a conversation at any level. Um, but also just like for you guys, just, you know, well done on getting to, I think, is it close to a hundred episodes? My my kids did the, uh, did the artwork competition. They were really excited about that. And I just think like a really cool way to engage with the community. Um, so yeah, just like, well done for you guys doing this early because a lot of people are doing podcasts now, but you were out there doing it early and I know it's in your own time. It's not a, a lucrative thing that um, you get paid a lot of money to do. Oh, You're not for us. Look at the studio. Not for us. Look at the studio. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it for the love of it. And I think it's just, just awesome that you've gone and done it. And yeah, it's great to hear different stories and connect to other Bitcoiners um, that, you know, you just, it's not physically possible to go and meet everyone in Australia. So it's a really cool thing you've developed here. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I hope it is providing some level of value to somebody out there somewhere. There is $1,432,047 sats to be won in the art competition for and, children. And we got a week. One of you guys can oh, tell us what that is. Just well, what, over a well, week. Yeah, yeah. What's the, what day is today? 
20th. By the time this goes out, it's going to be like two days before the close or yeah, yeah. three, four days before the close. Yeah. There are still plenty of spaces, guys, that you could definitely win a prize. Um, not trying to increase the competition for your kids, mate, but um, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but um, there's the prizes to be won. So if you want some, guys, go to the website, which will be in the... don't know why I did that. We're not on video. Um, <laughs> in the notes below. Um, but... Um, yeah, thank it's you like for... a one in hundred number. You're like, I've watched too many YouTube videos when they go, <laughs> yeah. just go watch this video. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, subscribe and like click the said. link. Uh, click yeah. the link. Um, thank you. Really appreciate yeah, it. I've really enjoyed it. The time's just flown by. Thanks, Jeremy. They really do. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Cheers.